Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Mark chapter 2. It says this in verse 1, and again, Jesus entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Say with me, in the house. Scholars don't know if it was literally Jesus' house. Maybe it was Peter's house. But either way, he was in the house. Immediately, gathered together, there was a huge crowd that there was no longer room to receive them, not even at the door. Here's what I've learned, that when God is in a church, it will eventually be full. Can I get a good amen? He was in the house. The house got so full, there was no longer room even at the door. And it says he preached the word to them. He preached. Where does faith come from? God's word being preached. So he preached the word. And they came, bringing a paralyzed man who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near Jesus because of the crowd. Why couldn't they come near Jesus? Because of the And notice this, that the crowd wasn't just a crowd. There was a lot of the wrong people in the crowd. I'll explain that in a second. They uncovered the roof because they couldn't get near to him. And when they took a hole and they punched through the roof, when they broken through it, They let down the paralyzed man on his bed. They broke through, and they let down the man to Jesus. They had to what first? They had to, they broke through. Sometimes we pray passionately. We sing passionately. Because a lot of times the miracles we see every week in our church are a byproduct of a church that knows how to break through. So they broke through. And the man was lowered down, and it says this, Jesus did not see any faith in the paralyzed man. But it does say that he saw faith in the four men that lowered their friend down. And when he saw their faith, he healed that man. Which is a good thought here today, that if you showed up to our church not believing for anything, we got extra faith for you. I didn't believe God for anything today. Well, I already made up my mind that I wasn't going to meet you there. I already made up my mind that I'm going to bring extra faith for people that have none. God will see our faith and do something for you. Says this, Jesus saw their faith and he said this, son, your sins are forgiven. Now he's paralyzed, but for some reason before Jesus deals with his physical issues, he deals with his internal issues. Your sins are forgiven. Some of the scribes were sitting there. They were part of the crowd, which is interesting because sometimes the worst, the worst news you hear is not outside of the church from the non-believers. Oftentimes, the venom that bites you is from people inside of the church. They were sitting in the house. They filled the church so there was no room for the people that were hungry for God. Instead, it was full of people that were cynical and critical. They reasoned among themselves. And watch what it says here. This man, why does this man, Jesus, speak blasphemes like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But it says immediately, Jesus perceived in his spirit spirit, and reasoned thus within himself. And he said this, why do you guys reason these things in your hearts? What's easier? I want you to catch this. What's easier? Orange County, hear this. With Jesus, what's easier? To say to the man, your sins are forgiven, or rise up, take your bed, and walk. 
but that Orange County might know that Jesus cannot not only forgive, but that he can also heal. I say to you, rise up, take your bed, and go to your home. It doesn't say after a 40-day fast. It doesn't say after three days of circling the walls. It says immediately. The lame man grabbed his bed. He rose up in the presence of everybody, and they were all amazed. And he walked out. Everyone was amazed. Everyone glorified God. And this is what they described a revival church, a church that sees God moving. They said, we have never seen anything like that before. I believe that when people see that God can still do what he did then today, you will say the same thing when you leave church. I've seen organ players. I've seen hymnals. I've been a part of churches, but I've never felt. I've never sensed. I've never seen what I saw there before. Amen? I want to talk to you today about it is what it is. Int. Are you ready? Father, we love you. We honor you. Have your way. Jesus' name. Bless the Lakers. Amen. Amen. Who likes short prayers? Who's inviting me to Thanksgiving? Come on. <laughs> I, uh, I think it's funny when you're a kid, you always have internal vows that you're not going to say things that your parents said. When I get older, I'm never going to do that to my kid. When I'm a dad one day, I'll ne- I'm, 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 I'm so never going to. And then you become a parent. You start citing the exact pages out of your parents' playbook. You start saying things that, I'll be honest, when I was a kid, I thought were lazy. And as an adult, I just think it's good stewardship. When I was a kid, I got so mad when my parents would say things, you know, they use those phrases. Like, because I said so, that's why. I didn't like that at the time. But now I'm like, Kenzie, that's why. I used to say things, my mom used to say this sometimes, I lose something. She goes, it's got to be here somewhere. And I'd be like, that is such a lazy statement. (laughs) Of course it's here somewhere. I remember getting so mad. People say that, they're like, hey, where did you leave your phone or your keys? It's got to be here somewhere. I'm like, have you ever thought about being a private investigator? Because your level of just mystery is impressive. Got to be here somewhere. Or how about this one? When you misplace something, they say, where was the last place that you had it? I like to get really silent when they ask me that. That's a great question. (laughs) We wouldn't be here if I knew the answer to that quagmire. Where'd you have it last? But there's a lot of statements in life that you just kind of, you, you hear, and um, you just kind of just, you, I don't know, just, I don't know, just, there's just phrase I just feel like there's some phrases that are lazy. If I'm being honest, they're just kind of lazy phrases. You say it not because you have, I don't know, you don't believe in what you're saying. You just say it because everybody says it. Yeah. You ever been guilty of this? You said something like, I don't even know if I believe that or mean that, but I say it because I heard it before. Yeah. One of those phrases that I have refused to participate in, that I have boycotted, I remember probably five years ago, I started hearing this phrase, it is what it is. Remember the first time I heard that phrase, I'm like, I feel dirty. I feel like that phrase was a body part. It's a sweaty armpit. It is 
what it is. When I hear someone say, look, I'm not throwing rocks at you if you use that phrase. I'm just telling you, when I hear that phrase, usually my mind goes to this low place. It is what it is. It's like something that's so, so nasty. Wearing overalls with like a gut hanging over the side and like just body odor and just fangs and it is this 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 phrase it sicks me out it is what it is and i i I think about this oftentimes because uh i I like to say that we're believers here at oceans church but i was praying this week and i had this picture i really did and this really was rooted i i went with one of my friends uh, about a week ago and we got to pray over one of his friends very powerful couple and i got to pray over him and uh, there was someone else that was praying over them as well and basically the person that prayed over him that wasn't us was basically saying, um, God, I think, and, and, and I knew he didn't, we read the same Bible, but I think we serve a different Jesus. Because this guy started praying, and immediately he went from a normal guy to speaking the Queen's English, okay? First thing I saw, he started using words out of just, it was like he went from normal communication to King James Version. Thou's, these, arts, right? Like, starts going there. And then he starts, he starts praying his view of God. That's what he did. So I'm there to come on. I'm here to help. And this guy goes, God, and my friend's praying, and it's beautiful. God's moving. And all of a sudden, this guy starts praying, and he goes, God, we know, we know if that this might be thy will to cause your holy servants to suffereth, that they might be sanctified from the materialistic greed that tries to pressureth thou servants. And you want them to suffereth so that they can bear thy cross. And they can be basically the warts of the earth. And I'm listening to this prayer and I'm like, I don't. I, I. It's like everything inside of me was getting sick. You know, broke my heart is there's preachers that have very good intentions that get up with a doctrine of Jesus that says, basically, life is what it is. If you're dysfunctional, it is what it is. You're broken, too bad. You'll go to heaven one day, but for now, it is what it is. You're an addict, good news, gospel, you're going to heaven one day. But for now, sorry, it is what it is. Your marriage is screwed up. Your parents' marriage is screwed up. Hey, look, I know. Look, look. Good news. We're going to heaven one day. But for now, sorry, it is what it is. I know you're broken, busted, disgusted, looking like the cover girl for the book of Lamentations. Good news. Gospel, Bible. You're going to heaven one day. But for now, it is what it is. I think about when I left that, that, that prayer time, I thought to myself, God, how would the view of so many quote-unquote Christians in Orange County in America, how would their theology, their belief in God, work if they were living in the pages of the Bible? And I had this revelation that you would probably not be documented in Scripture if you had a theology that says it is what it is. You wouldn't. There's four guys in the Bible that could have said, oh my gosh, our friend's paralyzed. It is what it is. Our friend, he needs to go to church and see Jesus, but we don't have a cart to get him there, so that means we have to carry him. I don't want to carry him. That's uncomfortable. It is what it is. Okay, fine, we'll carry him. But if we get to the church and there's not a seat for us, we're leaving. 
it is what it is. Okay, we'll get to the church. If there's not a place for him, we'll go on the roof and see if we can get a, get a view from the roof. But if we can't, it is what it is. But if we get on the roof and we break a hole in the ceiling, and maybe we can see God, but if we can't quite get to him, it is what it is. We're going home. Okay, fine. If we get there, we go on the roof, we break through the roof, and we lower our paralyzed friend on his mat to Jesus. And Jesus does not heal him. It is what it is. I'm convinced that the Bible does not document anybody that has a theology that says it is what it is. For some reason, God was attracted to the Bartimaeuses. Listen to me. Bartimaeus just said, I'm blind. God, God made me blind. He wanted me to suffer to teach me humility. God's a God that locks us outside and teaches us how to dress warm because we have to live in a cold world. We don't serve a, a abusive heavenly father. The Bible says compared to you, you are evil compared to God's goodness. The way you want to treat your kids is wicked compared to the way that God wants to treat us. And the problem is we bought into this theology that says, God, listen to me, he either isn't powerful or he isn't good. Because there's darkness in the world. Instead of going, maybe God wants us to usher in his kingdom of light into the dark circumstances of the earth. Maybe we are ambassadors of the kingdom of light in the world. Maybe God can hear the prayers of his people. Here's what I've learned. God has never answered the prayers that we don't pray. Usually it's like shooting a basketball. You miss every shot you don't take. But for some reason when you start going, hey, God, maybe you can heal. Maybe you can hear. Maybe you can move. All of a sudden, doors of possibilities begin to arise. It is what it is. I don't think it is what it is. You see, there's characters in the story. <laughs> First character we find here is the paralyzed man. And I believe that he is a type and a shadow of what it is like to have unhealthy faith. You see, when your faith is not healthy, you don't have a reason for living. Faith is the essence. That's the difference between J Judas and Peter. Peter and Judas both betrayed Jesus. One of them lost their faith and one did not. When you lose your faith, suicide becomes an option. It's crazy, weird thoughts come into your head that you start justifying because faith, you can lose, man, you can lose a car, you can lose a house, you can go through a divorce, you can lose a lot of things, but when you lose your faith, are you with me today? The sirens start going off when you lose your faith. That was the little assist there from the Lord. I have found that there is people that are unhealthy in their faith. And I'll tell you right now, sometimes the truth hurts. And I want to tell you to Ocean's Church, we're a church that would rather fight for the truth than to settle for the lies. And sometimes, man, the truth cuts before it cures. Some people don't like hearing the truth. Well, maybe God can heal. But what if he doesn't? There's truth. There's some questions we don't have clean answers to. And I think most of our society celebrates lies because sometimes they're convenient. Truth can be painful. I heard a story that elevates the painfulness of a truth, and it was about a man. How many of you guys don't communicate well sometimes? This guy's wife was overseas in Europe, and uh, he calls his wife, and he goes, uh, the, wife, or me, the wife calls from Europe, and she goes, hey, babe, how's my cat? She's getting ready to fly home. How's my cat? 
And the husband, come on, being a man, just goes, your cat died. And she's like, oh, my gosh, honey, don't be so honest. Why didn't you break the news to me slowly? You've ruined my trip. The guy was freaked out. He's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. He goes, what do you mean? She said, you should have, like, broke it to me slowly. Tell me the cat was on the roof when I called from Paris. And then you could have said when I landed in London that the cat was sluggish and was sick. And then when I landed in New York City, you could have told me that you took it to the vet. And then when I got home, I would have been braced for, man, the cat died. The husband was stunned. Never knew there was such a protocol in life. He said, okay, babe, I'll do better next time. So she goes, okay, that's, okay, thanks. Okay, how's mom? He paused. Uh, she's on the roof. It's the truth. I'm just kidding. This is just a story. It's a story. Sometimes the truth cuts, right? But we're a church that has settled that I would rather be hit with biblical truth than kissed with society's lies. Amen. First thing we see about unhealthy faith, this paralyzed man represents unhealthy faith. He's unhealthy because first thing we know about him is there is darkness in his life. <laughs> How do you know there's darkness? Because notice this, not everyone that gets sick in life, it's because of sin. Quite frankly, that's a misconception, bad theology. Even his disciples said to Jesus, hey, who sinned? This guy or his parents that he was born this way? Jesus said it wasn't him or his parents that sinned. This condition exists because it's for the glory of God. Job did not sin. In, in, come on, who remembers reading about Job? Come on. Job didn't sin. He lost everything. But here's what we know is that sin isn't necessarily, or, or sickness is not necessarily the evidence of sin. But there is a biblical basis to say sometimes there was sin issues that led to sicknesses. This was one of those stories. Because before Jesus treated his numbness, he treated his forgiveness. Okay? So I want you to catch this real quick. Is the first thing we know about having unhealthy faith is, number one, is usually there's some sort of darkness in your life. And I want to be very honest with you because I'll tell you right now. I'm going to be very, I'll be very straightforward. If you're trying to harbor darkness during the week and invite God in on Sundays, that's a great start. But I'm telling you that if it's, it, until you surrender to God's light fully, darkness will always limit what you're capable of doing. And you will live below what you could do in life. Are you hearing me? Can I get a good amen? <laughs> so darkness was the first thing that paralyzed this guy's faith. The second thing that paralyzes our faith is that when, you're, when your faith is unhealthy, you will be dependent upon the crowd that's around you. Some of you know your faith is unhealthy today because of the darkness that exists in your life. Second reason some of you know that your faith is unhealthy is because you get carried wherever the crowd around you takes you. You're around your church friends, you start acting churchy. You hang out with your party friends, you start acting party. My name is Mark, I like to party. You hang out with your... Your immoral friends, you start acting immoral. You start hanging out with your, your, your nasty, come on, your nasty living friends, you start acting nasty. I have learned that spiritually paralyzed people are those that are literally a victim of whatever crowd they're hanging out with. 
and your faith is unhealthy if you become a chameleon and the only thing you do is turn into what's around you. You hang out with gossips, you gossip. You hang out with slanders and you slander. You hang out with faith-filled people, you become faith-filled. I will tell you that mature Christians, those sons, those daughters, those kings, those queens in Christ, they are those that are not dependent on where the crowd takes them. I'm serving God even if everybody else bows. Come on now. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. I don't care if my whole neighborhood is crazy. We're going to stand for God. And I'm telling you, God is looking for people that aren't paralyzed in their faith, that are victims of darkness, are victims of dependent upon a crowd. Spiritually unhealthy people are numb. Paralysis affects your ability to feel. I think the reason why God loved to heal paralyzed people, because he liked to show people that what he can do spiritually, he can do naturally. And what God can do naturally to get your feeling back, oh my gosh, I can feel again. You know what God does to your soul? He gives you feeling back. You know why some of you can come on Sundays and you don't experience anything and the person next to you is weeping? Because they're feeling what you don't feel. Why? It's because somewhere along the way, maybe there was a, there was a grieving that you, you severed your connection with God because he told you to go right and you went left. And he told you to turn around and you kept going. And willful disobedience to the voice of God will sever your conscience and eventually you'll lose your feeling. You ever wonder, why? how could this guy start, man, they're having affairs, and they're doing all this crazy dark stuff. Where did you get so dark? You didn't wake up one day and ruin your life. You kept severing your conscience. You went numb. Numb. You should have told your wife right away. Should have told your kids right away. Should have disciplined right away. Should have dis- repented right away. But that willful turning your back to God causes a spiritual paralysis that you begin to go numb and when you go numb what happens when your legs go paralyzed you lose your muscle and you know you're spiritually unhealthy when you have no spiritual strength you know what strength does i was talking to my stepdad he's been doing these squats he's been working out so cool and it's amazing that when you start working out what happens if you don't use those muscles they get weak and when you start using them again you get sore believe some people in this room, you're like, Mark, I'll be honest, man, I come to church on Sundays, and I feel the good sore after church, that God tightens up my convictions. Can I ask you, if you have bad plans this week, and God can't change those bad plans today, you need to find a different church. You need to go to a church that gives God permission to change your direction when you're on the wrong road. Come on, if you're going to give God a hand clap, give him a good hand clap. Change my bad plans. Direct my steps. Shut the door to a bad business opportunity. Shut the door to compromise. God, steer me clear of that iceberg that's going to sink my life. If God can't change and direct you here, where can he change you at? This is the potter's wheel. This is the potter's house. That we let our lives get on that potter's wheel and he starts shaping the clay. Come on, the prophet said, you are the potter, I am the clay. We are so arrogant sometimes. We think God is working for us. You know what prayer is so good for? Prayer is good to remind you that God is not a part of your life. You're a part of his. Yeah, that's what it does. God, this world isn't about you revolving around me. Hey, God, serve my kingdom. No, 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 no. God's like, no, 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 you, you, you work for me. 
And that's the problem with some of your unhealthy faith is you think God is your employee. He's a terrible employee. Every time I tell God to do something, sometimes he doesn't do it. I'm like, God, you better show up. I want this house by this date. I want to get in this new building by this time. And when I tell God my plans, it's like he just seems to get a little chuckle. This guy thinks he's working for me. I'm telling you right now that God makes a great boss but a terrible employee. Can I keep going? I believe that unhealthy faith is, is a byproduct of darkness. That's why he forgave the paralyzed man's sins. It's a byproduct of being dependent upon the crowd. Thank God that he had friends that actually were a part of the good crowd. He was dependent on the crowd. He was numb. He lost feeling. And when you're numb long enough, you will lose your strength. Okay, so what does it look like to have a healthy faith? Number one, if your faith is healthy, here's a test. You will value carrying others to Jesus. These four guys, you know what they realized? God, you gave me a strong back, strong legs, strong arms, not so I can be a bodybuilder and flex, which is nothing wrong with that. I might do that at some point. That was a joke. That kind of blessed me that you didn't laugh, though. It kind of made me feel good. <laughs> this guy's got a chance. <laughs> uh. Look, I know I have a dad bod. It's kind of turned into a father figure, amen? Uh, anyways, I, uh, I was thinking about this. Healthy faith realizes that God gives you strength for service. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, the Corinthians were wealthy. It was a wealthy, powerful city. It was the trade mecca of the world. It was Orange County of that day. People had mansions and yachts. And he reminded that Corinthian city, he said a couple of things. He said, number one, he talked more about the Holy Spirit to the Corinthian church than to any other church. Which shows me that immoral cities that are wealthy need the presence of the Holy Spirit maybe more than anywhere else. He says this, though. He reminds him. He says, hey, remind, remember this, guys, that God will give you strength for service, not for status. I do believe that this church will meet needs locally. We already have. We fed hungry people. We've clothed people. We've provided groceries. We've paid bills. We've helped single moms. We've helped people get into houses and paid for apartments. And we've done all kinds of things. This church has done a lot of things. People lost their jobs in COVID. We paid their bills. This church has helped locally, and we will continue. But I do believe there's something to be said about people that carry others that can never repay you. I think the true measure of a person is how you treat individuals that have nothing to repay you with. It's easy to bless people like, man, if I bless this guy, he's going to bless me. How do you treat people that have nothing to offer you? That's why we do orphanages, and that's why we believe in helping uh, foster care and orphans and widows. How you treat these people is really a reflection of what's in your heart. And I'm not saying we don't help here. We will help here. But we have to also have, look, number one, we are healthy when we realize, God, you gave me strength to carry my paralyzed friends. He can't carry himself, but I'll carry him. We're in Orange County. I think God's given us financial strength here to carry places that have none. God has no problem with us having nice stuff, but he does not want the nice stuff to possess us. 
And I think that's why it's so important every week to be generous, because every week our humanity goes, I want to focus on me, just me, just me, just me. And every time I give to God in this house, it somehow breaks the back to that materialistic greed that says the world is about me, me being strong, not about me being strong for others. And I want to say thank you to, the, to those of you that give every week or every time you get paid. I'm grateful for consistent people that say, I'm going to give every time I get paid. I'm thankful that there's people that are strong because we carry other people. You know what healthy Christians do? Number one is they carry others to Jesus. Healthy faith, you know what it does? Number two, it is willing to break through. Again, it is what it is. We can't get in, the, we can't get in there. It is what it is. We can't get through. They were not going to settle. Listen to me. If your theology requires zero faith, then I want to remind you, you can't please God. Hebrews 11 says, it is impossible to please God without faith. So you believe in a gospel that doesn't heal the sick? Requires zero faith. You, require, you believe in a gospel that the Holy Spirit doesn't show up anymore? It requires zero faith. You believe in a gospel that can't change the modern world? Here's the problem. It requires zero faith. And I'm telling you that whenever you have a view of God that requires zero faith, it's always a dangerous place to live. I have learned that God likes it when we, we believe. Because basically when you have no faith for God moving today, you have a spiritual attitude that says, it just is what it is. Here's the problem. If Bartimaeus would have said, I was born blind, it is what it is. God doesn't want to heal me. He never would have raised his voice. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. People are telling him, shut up. It is what it is. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Shut up. It is what it is. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on California. Shut up. It is the way that it is. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on Orange County. Shut up. It is the way that it is. God responds to those that say, no, I'm going to yell all the more. Son of David, it's not what it is. God can change it from what it is to what it isn't. I can tell you over and over again, there was a woman from Canaan that had a demon-possessed daughter that said, look, my daughter is demon-possessed, and the doctor says, it is what it is. Counselor said, it is what it is psychiatrist said it is what it is mental hospital says it is what it is but she comes to Jesus as a non-Jew when miracles were only happen amongst the Jewish community and says please heal my demon possessed daughter and he says this to her I can't do that the bread belongs to, to, the, to the children and this is what she says she goes well sometimes when the kids are eating some of the crumbs fall off the table and the dogs will eat that bread he goes no you didn't she didn't have this apathetic faith that just, it is what it is. Well, I went to the house of Jesus and I asked him to heal my daughter, but he said no, so I left. It is what it is. She was resilient. Zacchaeus had all the money in the world, but he knew something was missing in his heart. And when that little, little guy couldn't even see over the crowd, gets to the streets, can't even see Jesus, he could have said, it is what it is. It wasn't meant to be. But he goes, no, I'm not settling for that. I'm going to climb in the street. Can you imagine a rich guy, little rich guy, climbing a tree like he's nine years old? You ever thought about this? It's a funny picture. He's got his three-piece suit on. Loafers are dangling off the branch. 
Jesus is just shocked. He's like, oh my gosh, I expected. He's up there with six nine-year-olds. It's like Zacchaeus has a, a child care for boys in the tree. Zacchaeus, come down. I got to go to your house. He had a, it's not what it is. I'm not taking this at face value. I'm not settling for what the doctor said it's going to be. I'm not settling for what, man, what they said my life is going to be. It's not what it is. We serve a God. Hear me today. There was 10 lepers. We're going to be lepers our whole life. But they screamed out to God, have mercy on us. If they would have said, look, we're lepers. We're always going to be lepers. It is what it is. They never would have been cleansed. Listen to me. People in scriptures. Never is there stories recorded of people that settled for their existing faith, our existing faith, and just said, look, things can't change. It is what it is. Can you imagine if Jesus was like, oh, woman with the issue of blood for, for 12 years, she just touched Jesus and he turns around and says, sorry, it is what it is. Someone touched me, but it's the same because it is what it is. Oh, man. Son of David, have mercy on me. Hey, Bartimaeus, shh. Sorry, it is what it is. It's my will that you suffer so you can learn perseverance. It's my will that you be blind your whole life, barren your whole marriage, that you be depressed your entire existence because I want to give you a thorn in your side. There's people that write long theological books trying to convince people to have a faith that requires zero faith. Trying to brainwash the body of Christ that our Father doesn't have the power to heal. Faith is rooted in two ideas. Number one, God is good. Number two, God can change things. Try it with me. God is good. Number two, God can change things. Well, what if he doesn't? At least you die in faith. Then live your life believing for nothing. Quite frankly, I would rather get to heaven and God said, your faith was a bit of a nuisance. I mean, Gabriel's sweating all the time. Michael, he threw his back out answering all your prayers. These angels, I mean, he lost 400 pounds. This guy was running back and forth on the ladder because you were always knocking on the door of heaven. This guy's exhausted. My angels, we had to hire a, a different battalion just for Ocean's Church because they were always knocking and asking and seeking and knocking and asking and seeking. It's crazy. They were asking and knocking. Where are you at? And seeking. Is there any askers in Orange County? Is there any knockers in Orange County? Is there any seekers in Orange County? I don't think God does that anymore. He won't do it for you if you don't believe that he can still do it. It is what it is. It's not is what it is. It is what it isn't. God calls those things that are not as though they are. God does exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask, all that we think, all that we imagine. But what is he going to do if you don't ask for anything? What is he going to do if you don't think for anything? What is he going to do if you don't imagine anything? One of the reasons why this church is going to take change Orange County is because there's people in this church that believe that God can. California is what it is. It's going to hell. It's not is what it is. Where's the people of God that says God can take this city? Where's the people that say God can change Orange County? Orange County can be the central hub of all spiritual activity in the state of California. Orange County could get so healthy for God that it would win LA over. It would transform San Diego, that it would even impact San Francisco. The 
the overflow of our boat would sink the other counties. Where's the people that believe? Tired of this, it is what it is, faith. Listen, if God can get you to heaven, he can get heaven into you. That's why Jesus said, what's easier? Orange County, what's easier? You really think that him paying for all of your sins is harder than for him to heal your headaches? To heal your back pains? To heal your broken heart from the divorce? You think somehow that God goes, oh, forgiving sins? That's easy. Cancer? Heavy. It's almost like in a gym, it's like forgiving sins is like the five-pound dumbbells. You're like, Jesus, please take this weight of my sins. And he's like, oh, easy. I got you. I got you. I got you. We're good. We're good. But we're like, hey, God, my marriage is falling apart. My world is falling apart because I'm an addict. I'm addicted. I'm in bondage. I'm in darkness. I'm numb. God, I'm sick in my soul and I'm sick in my body. And, and God's like, whoa. That's too many 45s on the bar. I don't want to throw my back out trying to carry that big weight. Listen to me. Say this with me. Nothing is hard. Nothing is easy. When God does the impossible, it's not hard. And it's not easy. The problem is you come to God with a logical human mind that you visualize God pulling boulders out of the water. You ever notice you pull a little rock out of the bottom of a river? It's easy. In the water, right, it's pretty easy. You get a bigger rock. We almost picture God moving sickness and diseases like, oh, migraines? It's like a little rock. But it's like, oh, wait. Brokenness in your family? Oh, it's pretty big. I'll move it, but just give me some time. Give me some time. We'll get it. We'll get it. And then it's like, oh, man. We got with this really negative prognosis about our life. And God's like, sorry. That's too much. Sorry, no. What's easier? That's what he says. What's easier? To say that your sins are forgiven or to say rise up, take your mat, and walk. But that Orange County would know that there is still a God that sits on the throne. I say to you, with arthritis, heart disease, blood clots, barrenness, postpartum depression, suicidal tendencies, I speak to you, cocaine addicts, opioid addicts, uh, alcoholics, I speak to you in Jesus Christ's name. What is easier? Rise up today in the power, in the might of the Spirit of God and be healed. And I would love it if everyone stands to your feet. I ask you to raise your hands. If you, I'm not, I'm not, listen, this is not for Mark Francis, this is for God. If you say, God, there is darkness, would you bring light? There is numbness, would you give feeling? God, there is a lack of strength, would you give me strength? Or God, I have been a chameleon. I have let the crowd carry me wherever they take me. God, would you please today give me healthy faith? I want to carry others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to carry others. I want to break through. I want to believe. I want to cover the cost of the roof. I'll break through it and then I'll pay for it later. God, I want to be a mature believer. And here's the promise of heaven. Jesus says, I'll forgive. Yeah, I'll forgive. He says this, I'll return feeling and I will fortify your strength. One more thing, look at me real fast. There was two miracles that happened that day. 
two miracles. Number one miracle was that the lame man got feeling back and he stood up. The second miracle was that he learned how to walk in a moment. I don't know if you remember this, but when you learn how to walk, it wasn't the first day. God didn't just heal him. He gave him his balance in one moment. It was a double miracle. Feeling came and coordination came in the same moment. I just feel this strong today. God's not only going to heal you, he's going to give you a new spiritual equilibrium. Yeah. If you need healing in your body, lift your hands. I pray for the drug user. I pray, Lord, for the, yeah, there's someone who has some dark stuff, dark heart, dark mind. I pray, Lord, even for the person that's numb. You've lost feeling. You've been so disobedient to God over the last 10 years of your life that you've lost feeling. And God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And he's going to actually bring feeling back to the areas that are numb. I see him. Come on, if you're here today and you say, Mark, would you pray that if God could heal that paralyzed man then, that he could heal me now. If you need healing in your body, in your soul, in your mind, or physically in your body, lift your hands towards heaven. We're about done. We're about done today. He's here. He's going to heal. He told me he's going to heal. There's someone that's getting blood clots in your lungs. God's going to heal. He's going to heal. Pediatric miracles for kids, babies, going to heal. Yeah, yeah. Post-pregnancy issues, he's going to heal. Hands lifted all over. If someone's hands up next to you, we believe that we're a praying church. Healing doesn't just flow through pastors. It flows through every believer. So do me a favor. If someone's hands up next to you, I want you to stretch forth your hands. If you know them, you can put your hand on their shoulder. We're going to pray all over this tent. If someone's hands up today, this is the day of miracles. Anybody believe that? Who believes today's day of miracles? So, Lord, right now, we put our, we stretch forth our hands online. If you need a miracle, just come on. Put your hand on your heart right now. All over this place, say it with me. Say, in Jesus' name, we speak. Every paralyzed, every sick, every dark, every numb, and every weak area, we command... Come on, we command in Jesus' name, healing would flow, power to come, light to invade, and your spirit to change, transform from the inside to the outside, right here, right now, immediately, in Jesus Christ's name. Come on, just receive that right now. I pray right now all over this tent healing would flow. You said healing is the children's bread. God, feed this county, feed this church with the bread of heaven. God, satisfy the longing soul. Satisfy the empty soul. Satisfy the person that doesn't know there's a reason for living. In existence, there's a, there's a meaning and a, and, a, and a significance to life. Fill their empty soul today. All over this place. All over this place. Even online. In Jesus' name. Almost finished. Come on, you let go of them for a second. I, I, I believe I see someone, even I see God even like someone's leg growing. That's just like you have one leg that's shorter than the other leg. God's going to come on. I believe God's strengthening a leg right now. Yeah, someone, I, I got a, I got a, I, I posted this yesterday, but I was at a stadium or an arena in Louisiana. Shep, you were there, right? It's a true story. And that night I had Joel Faust with me. It's probably what, 4,000 or something, 3,000 young people in the stadium, this arena. And I was speaking. And, and, and I could feel the power like I feel it right now coming into that arena. And I started calling out the things that God was whispering in my ears. And I said, there's someone here that's a shoulder issue. I named what it was. I don't remember what it was. Just that stuff comes in and goes out. But I named it. And this week, the kid, it's been two years this week since that, that event. 
He said, when you called that issue with, the, with your shoulder, labrum, or whatever it was, he said, that was me. I raised my hand. I felt the heat come into my shoulder. He said, I could feel God's presence in my body. He said, I went home. My movement came back fully. I went to the doctor. They verified that I wouldn't need surgery and that it was a documented miracle. He said, not one day has gone by that I have not thought about what God did for me in that arena. Shep, right? Another girl. There were so many miracles that happened that night. I called it. I said, there's a young lady in here that you tried to take your life. And not only is God going to heal you and deliver you from that suicidal spirit, but he's going he's to heal the memory of when you tried to attempt it. And there was a scream, right? A scream in the arena. And it was like Shep's, Tina, one of, one of your friends in their group. She was in the cabin with, with the girls. That night she came in, this high school girl, she said, I tried to take my life. I had scars on my wrist. She said, when he called it out, I felt the darkness leave me. I felt power come into me. That's what she said. I looked, he said, God's removing the memory of it. She said, I looked at my wrist and the scars were gone. My wrists were brand new. True story. True story. That's impossible. Maybe the church you went to, friend, but not the one that I grew up in. God does miracles, signs, wonders, and Orange County is hungry for him. Where's the believing believers at? He can heal a marriage. He can heal a blood clot. He can heal a collapsed lung. He can, he can heal it. Yeah, I see it. Lord, right now, I pray for anyone that needs it. The waters are stirring right now. And God, as their pastor, I start pushing them into the water. I start saying, Lord, be healed in Jesus' name. The eating disorder, be delivered in Jesus' name. The cutting yourself, that tormenting spirit, be gone in Jesus' name. That spirit of death that's hovering over you, I command that cloud to be broken up right now in the name of Jesus. I pray life to flood this church. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would glorify your son. We're going to sing this song. I'm going to pray one last time, and we're going to, we'll, we'll finish up. But I see it right now. I see heaven opening up. This is a gateway today. Who would give God five more minutes today? If you give him five minutes, I want you to lift your hands. Listen to me. Maybe you don't need a miracle, but the, the person next to you might. I, I believe that today we'll document a sequence of dozens of, of clinically proven miracles. I, I know when God stirs in atmosphere, it's here. We are not a church that settles for it is what it is. We're the church you go to when you need something to change. We're going to be the church in Orange County when someone needs a miracle, someone wants to hear the voice of God, and someone wants to be around the power of Jesus, they know where to find us. Come on, I'm going to see it. Listen. Come on, where's your faith? Lift your faith. We're going to see it in this church. Yeah. Come on. We're not going to chase signs. They're going to chase us. Come on, where you at, Orange County? Hey! I'm gonna see you. I'm gonna see you. You said time to follow those who believe it. We believe it. And I'm gonna see you. Oh, I'm gonna see you. You said time to follow those who believe it. I'm gonna see it. I'm gonna see it. You said time would follow us. Who believe it? Who believe it? We believe that it's still me. 
cardiologist on the planet and I ask you Lord if we were wounded from a bad experience when we were 12 God if we gave up on you when we were a kid if we quit on you and we saw something tragic in our in our growing up years we invite you once again we invite you to our hearts we invite you to our minds we invite you to our lives I pray that you would draw those that have run from you draw those that have been wandering in the desert I see some of you that you're not opposed to God, but you've just been wandering. And I see God today like, like summonsing, almost like ringing the, di the dinner bell, saying it's time to get out of the field. It's time to get into the house. It's time to get out of the field. And it's time to get into God's house. It's time to stop wandering in society. And it's time to get into God's house. He's going to feed you. If you're here today and you don't live for God, maybe you used to when you walked away from Him, Maybe you've never known God in a real way or maybe at an early age you were turned off because you went to a weird church or met a weird Christian or had a bad experience or a tragedy. And today you realize that God is not your problem. The church is not a problem. It is a solution. It's, it's a gateway to God. It's a bridge to connect with the God that made you as we close. And I'm sorry for going long, but I do want you to know that we'll be a church that when God's moving, we'll make room. And I'd rather go to a church that ends 20 or 30 minutes late with God than ends 20 or 30 minutes early without God. Hollywood movies are getting longer. Church services are getting shorter. The world tells lies better than the church tells the truth. But I am convicted that God is looking for people that would say, God, if you're real, if you're here, I want you. If you've never known him, but you want to in a real way. Or if you got wounded, you have a broken heart, a hurting heart, or a hard heart, and you say, God, today, would you open up my heart? Would you heal me? Would you come in once again to my heart? I don't care how old you are, how smart you are, how many degrees you have, how much money you have. I don't care. Listen to me. No one is outside of the reach of God's love. Never too young or too old to get right with God. And if you're here today and you say, Mark, that's me, I want to invite God in for the first time, or I want to rededicate I want to give God my heart once again. All over the tent, there was, I think, 12 or something last service. If you're online, you can write heart in just a second. I'm going to count to three. You can raise your hand. Hands are already going up. That's always really cool. But I'm going to give you three more seconds. One, God's speaking to you right now. I pray that everyone that needs to respond would respond. Two, I pray that you would give them faith to not miss this moment of getting right with you, inviting you into their hearts. Come on, if you're going to raise your hand, I want you to raise it real high. Three, that's me. I want to give my life back to Jesus. 
or for the first time I want to rededicate my life to God all over, all over, all over. I see five, six, keep it up real high. Six hands, seven hands. Anybody else? So good, so good. If you're online right now, just write heart and we close. Pray this prayer, Oceans, as we finish this up today. Say, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me, to heal me, give me feeling again. Would you remove the darkness? Fill me with your light. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your spirit. Direct my life. Have my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name. You prayed that prayer, I'd encourage you to get a Bible. They're free on your phone, Bible app. We have, we have physical Bibles we'll give you over here. I'd encourage you to get a church. People grow in the context of community. And if you, don't, if you want to go beyond just going on Sundays, get involved in a small group. You click on our website, Groups, to get you plugged in. Click on Growth Tracks. Grab a seat. We'll have you out of here in 60 seconds. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.